Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Good to see everyone this morning. It's good to see lots of familiar faces. Good to see some new faces who are visiting. We are really, really glad you're here. And hope and pray that you'll come back and be with us as often as you can. Uh, sometimes you have weeks that are good weeks, and sometimes you have weeks that are hard weeks. For uh, some of us, this has been a hard week. But the good news is, is that each awkward, each Sunday we have the opportunity to kind of reset the week by gathering together, as we said two weeks ago, I'm going to keep repeating this, to stir up one another to love and good works and to worship our God and our Creator. So I appreciate everyone being here uh, again this morning. The focus, the lesson I want us to look at this morning, I've titled Life's Three Big Questions. And I love that picture. If you've ever been hiking, sometimes you get to a trail and you wonder which way do I need to go. Uh, it wasn't quite as foreboding over there on the right side as I wanted. I would have put some bats flying around and maybe a wolf looking out of the woods or something. And if I could have found it, I would have had three bats <laughs> since I said life's three big questions. But we face questions and sometimes the answers that we find to those questions influence the direction our life goes. So look with me here for just a few minutes this morning at what I consider to be life's three big questions. I say here there are at least three big questions. And if we were to sit around with a piece of paper, I'm sure we could come up with a lot more. But I just want to look at three of those. And as I say, our answers to those questions will determine a lot of what our future looks like. So let's take a good look at it here this morning. The first important question, I think really one of the three big questions in life is, where do I come from? Where do I come from? No. One answer to that question might be Baptist Hospital, St. Thomas Midtown now, because that's where I came from, as far as I know. It's what I've been told. Uh, but where do I come from beyond that? Well, our bodies come from the earth. Come from the earth. You know, no one really disagrees with that. Uh, science says that living things came from non-living things. And so our bodies, in that sense, is actually fairly correct because all of the atoms that are in our bodies, the things that are making up our bodies, came from somewhere else. Generally speaking, you know, we, we keep some of the food that we eat and it's incorporated into our bodies. There's a lot more of me today than there was when I was in Baptist Hospital. There's a lot more to all of us than there was the day we were born. Where did that extra parts of me come from? It came from the food I ate. Where did the food I eat come from? Well, even just think of the cow's milk, right? Something goes into the cow, what is it? Grass, where did the grass come from? It came, grew out of the dirt, pulled stuff. We all come from the ground. More or less, that's a true statement. We all came from the ground. The problem we have is, if you look at science's answer to that question, but that's all there is in terms of an answer to where we come from. We came from the ground. We came from non-living things. This whole process, they will tell us, of evolution. And then it stops right there. Well, I certainly agree that our bodies came from the ground, but I don't think we should stop right there. Instead of that being all there is, look, what does the Bible say about where we came from? 
the Bible agrees that we come from the ground. When you look back in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says that the Lord God formed the man of the dust or dirt of the ground. So the original Adam, the first man, God formed him out of the stuff that was here on the earth. You know, I don't, I don't know, that's a whole lot of dust. In my corners of my house, uh, my wife would be mad at me for saying this, but in corners of any of our houses, there could conceivably be a little bit of dust. Not enough dust to make a person out of. So out of the dust, dirt of the ground, God formed the man. The body is, in fact, our earthly home. 2 Corinthians 5.1 talks about our earthly tent, our bodies. But the Bible does not stop there. Science may stop there in the sense of this being all there is, this physical body, the physical universe. The Bible does not. It agrees that our bodies come from the dust of the ground. It agrees that our earthly bodies come from the earth, but it doesn't stop there. The Bible doesn't say that's all there is. Our spirit comes from God. So where do I come from? My body comes from the ground. I think we all should agree to that. But our spirit comes from God. When you look at Ecclesiastes 12, 7, the preacher says the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Well, if the when we die, our spirit returns to the God who gave it, where did it come from originally? It came from God. So whenever we are born, our bodies have come from the dust and the dirt of the ground, the physical world that we see. God sends a spirit that lives within each individual person who is alive now and ever has lived. That truly is the reason why the focus in our culture should be on life. Because God sends the spirit into each and every little baby who is born. Hebrews 12, 9, God is called the father of spirits. When you're the father of something, you are the originator of something. You are the source of something. And so God is the source, the father of spirits. When you were born, when you were conceived, God sent a spirit that lives within you and still is within you as long as you were moving. The day is coming for each of us when we will no longer be moving, when we will in fact die. And at that point, that spirit that God sent to be part of me will return to God and my body will return to the ground. So where do I come from? I come from the ground and I come from above. That's an important answer. If I don't believe that part of me came from above, that I really then have to conclude that here and now is all there is. My choices and my actions and my view of how to interact with you and other people will be greatly influenced by whether I understand that I'm not merely a physical creature walking around on this earth, but that there is a part of me that came from God and a part of me that's going back. When I believe that, when I understand that, when I accept that, my day-to-day -day choices should be quite different. Life is also transient. Let's look at the second major question. What is my life? Where do I come from? I would argue we come from the ground, we come from God. The next question is the one we saw posed in the reading this morning. What is my life? What is your life? 
It's transient. It does not last. It is like a mist. You know, you often might get up in the morning and see fog. Most of the time, the fog burns off as the sun gets a little higher in the sky. It's transient. It does not last. Well, James 4.14, the reading, what is your life? How long really is your life going to be here? How long will you be here? Will I be here? James says, you are but a mist. You are simply a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Using an illustration, everyone hearing the, the book of James being read, this letter from James being read out loud, an illustration all of us understand. Here for a moment and gone. You know, there are some people that had sat in this auditorium one, two, three, four, five years ago aren't here anymore. They're going to. There's going to come a time when some of us who are sitting here right now won't be sitting here. We are but this. Our time here is very, very short. Isaiah 38, verse 12. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. He's really not talking about where he's sleeping at night. He's talking about this dwelling, this body that we're living in is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life. He, the Lord, cuts me off from the loom. From day to night, you bring me to an end. The day is coming when God will call each and every one of us home. Remember, the Spirit returns to the God who gave it. That's all in our we are not going to be here forever. You know, that's, that's part of the problem. When we're teenagers, when we're in our early 20s, whatever, I am immortal. You know, people think that. That's part of why so many young people do things that are just plain old, flat out stupid. Sorry for using the stupid word. They tell you not to use that in front of children. But they are. There's no reason to do tightrope walking on the top of a bridge or any of the other dumb things that some people do most of the time when they're young. Why? I'm going to live forever. Nothing will ever happen to me. And most of us who are older than that are like, that's crazy. Why are we doing that? I knew I was not really a young pup anymore. When watching something on TV where somebody was doing something crazy gave me the willies. And I'm sitting safe in a chair. And I'm like, boom. That will happen to each and every one of you. All of you younger people that are like, I'm immortal, I will never have any problems. Eventually, you're going to be watching some younger person do something that seems pretty pretty odd, pretty bizarre. Really shouldn't be doing that. But that happens to everybody. Our life is not going to be here forever. And I really think the sooner we understand that, I'm not arguing hide under the bed all day or something like that, but the sooner we understand that I'm not going to be here forever, maybe that will influence my choices that I make day to day. Life is also frail, like a flower. You know, the, the guys trying to win the heart of the ladies may bring a flower. Oh, look at this. You're, you're much more beautiful than the flower. It gives them the flower. What does the flower look like a year later? You might, in the old days, they used to take the flowers and they would press them in a book. It would survive a lot longer that way, but even if you've ever been to somebody's house, grandma's house or something, open a book, 
The flower doesn't look like it used to, does it? Life is frail like a flower. You know, one of Dad's favorite things to do when you visit his house, for people that know me, he takes them back and shows them a picture of me when I had hair. <laughs> I've had people say, that can't be Gene. No, Gene never had hair like that, but he does it. We are like a flower. Our lives change. I came up once at work, a friend, I'll put that in quote marks, you guys know this friend, a friend of mine was showing a college yearbook to some ladies in accounting. And as I walked up, they said, oh, Gene used to be a handsome guy. <laughs> I walked up like, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> what did they mean by that? I didn't look at that time the way I used to look. We grow old. Life is transient. It is not here forever. I am not here forever. I need to make sure I understand my life is a vapor. My life is like a flower. Not a whole lot of flowers growing when there's you know, four feet of snow out say life is brief like a flower. Job 9, 25, my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. You know, I've seen some of these guys run that 100 meter dash. They did it this last year in the Olympics. They're going faster than I would be. You know, they'd be on to the next event. I'd still be trying to get to the 100 meter line. Our lives seem a lot faster than that. Talk to somebody who's older than you are, whatever that means to you. Talk to someone who's older than you are and ask them, does it seem like 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 years could have gone by? And their answer, that's going to be none. You can still remember things that happened when you were 10, 15, 20, as if they happened yesterday. But they could have been a long time ago. My days go by faster than a runner goes by. As I say, it seems like just yesterday, some of us were young pups, right? Some of us were young pups. Time flies. They said that back in the days of the Caesars. They said it in Latin, tempus fuci. Time flies. We can say that again today. Life is also uncertain. We make plans, but will we be able to do them? Who in the world knows? Right? I have this great plan, and I'm going to go do this or that. Will I ever actually be able to do it? Got plans for the afternoon? I hope you're able to do them. That doesn't mean you don't make plans, but we need to realize things are uncertain. Uh, the other night, somebody went to a party. Their evening didn't finish the way they thought because they had a nice spike of metal on the tire. They didn't plan on having this big flat tire. Or they, if they knew it was going to happen, they might have read up on how better to change the flag. Things happen. You don't always get to do what you had planned or wanted to do. We just don't know. Something happened here in the Bible that illustrates that. Jesus in a parable talking about an individual known as the rich fool. The person in the parable says, you have ample goods laid up for many, many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. 
You've got it made. You have saved in your retirement plans, whatever it may have been at the time 2,000 years ago, big barn in this case, kick back. You don't have to worry anymore. Enjoy yourself. Look what God says to him. God said to him, fool. The word could easily be translated, you idiot. Because the dumbest thing in the world to do is to make plans that do not include of all the parables, of all of the things Jesus said, this is the one that scares me the most. In America, we have so much compared to the rest of the world. The temptation is to see how much we can accumulate. God said to him, fool, fool. This night your soul is required of you. You're going to die tonight. Then whose is all that stuff in the barn is going to be? Our life is uncertain. Our life is transient. Our life is like a vapor. You don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. You don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. That leads to the last question. The third question. Where am I going my life is transient, if my life is uncertain, and I'm not going to be here forever, where am I headed? Where am I going? A couple of answers to that. The philosopher, the one who likes to, you know, we might say stare at the navel or just contemplate a lot of stuff. The philosopher, if they're honest, will be saying something like this. I'm going into the unknown. I am a mere flash in the night. But essentially, that's an answer of saying, no answer. Where will I go when I die? That is a good question. And it's one the philosopher really won't have an answer for. Going somewhere. Guess I'm going to find out. Kind of the answer that might be. The non-believer. The answer of the non-believer might be, I'm going to the ground. Death ends everything. There was a scientist, a very, very big time uh, evolutionary uh, biologist who was certain this is all there is. And he said, when we die, we die. That's it. And he came down with a terminal brain cancer that he knew was going to end his life. And people asked him, you still think that? got perhaps months left. Do you still really think when we die, we die? And he said, that's true. It's correct in his view, the non-believer's viewpoint. Where am I going? I'm going to the ground, and that's going to be it. If that were true, we talked about this before, there is no ultimate justice. There is no ultimate peace. There is no final settling of the way things ought to be. I can't commit my life to there being no difference between my grandmother and Hitler, between my grandmother and the evil person you might think of, Osama bin Laden, I don't care. Pick the person that loves you the most or who loved you the most 
if this is in fact the correct answer, when you die, you die, and that's it, there's no difference between the one that made you cookies or pies or whatever the person that loved you the most did and someone that may have been out there trying to kill you. They each made choices that were good for them. Who are you to judge? Who am I to judge? I was the one either eating the cookies or the one trying to get away from this person trying to kill me. If you take this answer, there's no difference. I really don't believe anyone that thinks through this can possibly really think I can live with no difference between those two. Part of the reason our society is so messed up is we have laws that say there is a difference between these two. Laws that say there is a difference between making cookies for someone and giving somebody poison. But we to try to do that without having God in the world. Doesn't really work. Doesn't really work. So where am I going? Philosopher says, don't know. Don't know. The non-believer says, when we die, we die. That's it. The answer the believer should give is that I am going to my Father. When I die, the spirit returns to the God who gave it. The body will go into the ground. The body will be corrupted. The body will be over here. But what really determines who we are, our spirit will return to the God who gave it. I'm also going to my friend. I saw heaven will lead in just a moment. What friend we have in Jesus? When we die, the Spirit returns to the God who gave it. We go to the friend who gave his life for us. Death is, in fact, not the end, but the transition to something better. Only the Christian, only the believer, has hope in response to these three questions. So, this morning, we always end with the invitation. Sometimes it's something we tend to hurry through. But this morning, I really want each of us here to stop and think for just a minute. If you're a member of God's family, if you have expressed your belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died for you, and at some point in the past, you were buried in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. If your life is not being carried out the way God would want his child to live, if you're living for yourself seemingly a lot more than living for God, maybe you've been taking the wrong path over here. Maybe you've been choosing that path that leads to the dark trail. Who knows what's down there? The way you get back on the right trail is you come and you say, I need the prayers of my brothers and sisters. I need to come back to God. I'm going to determine to live more for him, covered by his grace. Please, Father, forgive me. If you're not yet a member of God's family, then your entire life is in this trail over here to the right. It is. If you're not a member of God's family, there is no hope for when your life ends. It's not there. It's like the philosopher or the non-believer. You need to 
change it to in order to have hope. And that involves understanding that Jesus came to pay the price to die for all the choices we made where I wanted to do what I wanted to do. To confess that before others. To say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. To repent, turn away from that path, really, truly back up the dark path and start walking the light path. Turn your life around. And as we describe, reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus by being buried in water and be raised with all of your sins forgiven. Those are the choices this morning. I would suggest that's really the fourth question and the most important of all of them. What will you do? What do you need to do to have hope for when your life ends? As together we stand and sing.